Well, my guess is the trip back was a lot better given what the outcome was than if something bad had happened. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if they had lost another heartbreaker in the playoffs, that would have been a long hour and a half there under the stadium. Our numbers, if you've got questions for the voice of the Green Bay Packers, 414-799-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. Wayne, I, I understand that all the conversations today are going to be about Mason Crosby's field goals and the Rodgers to Cook pass, as well they should. But, you know, there were a couple other plays that I, I really caught my attention. Less than a minute left, Dallas driving third and three. They're on the Packers 33, and... And Nick Perry knocks down a pass, so the Cowboys have to settle for a field goal. I think you can make an argument that that might have been the biggest play of the game. Yeah, very well might have been. And on that play, Clay Matthews got to the quarterback and hit him just as he threw the ball as well. Um, that was a great tandem play by Perry and, and Matthews and to knock that ball down there because the Cowboys, Jeff, they were going for the win on that drive. They were not trying to set up for a field goal. They were going for the win understanding that, uh, you know, overtime is perilous and, and it's a flip of a coin sometimes as to who wins in overtime. The other play that I, I, you know, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about, but it came before the Rodgers to Cook pass, that when Aaron, when Aaron Rodgers gets sacked, gets hit blindside, I was watching that play develop. I thought it was amazing, number one, that he, he didn't fumble, and number two, that he just, I mean, he just bounced right back up and immediately calls timeout. I mean, lesser quarterbacks would have lost the ball on that hit. Yeah, um, you know, thank goodness for the flak jacket, huh, because uh, he took a shot right in the back from Jeff Heath, who came in unblocked uh, from the blind side. Uh, Larry McCarron in our broadcast mentioned the Packers did have a blocker for Heath, but he didn't get there in time. That was Ty Montgomery. If I'm not mistaken, Ty was lined up to the right side of Rodgers, and that blitz came from his blind or left side, and uh, Ty was unable to get there in time. The play, of course, that everybody's talking about is the Rodgers-to-Cook pass that set up the game-winning field goal. I, you know, I say this every week, Wayne, but the plays that Aaron Rodgers makes are, are just uh, amazing. Day in, day out, this guy makes plays that I just don't know that there's any other quarterback in the league that could make. No, I'm with you. I, it's, uh, that was an amazing play. I thought that was just out of bounds. I didn't think there's any way he caught that in bounds. And I listened to uh, uh, the TV, uh, the telecast as well, and, and Joe Buck felt the same thing. He saw the same thing I saw. Furthermore, we both saw the official trailing that play motion that it was out of bounds, incomplete. And it was the other official who came over from uh, in front of the play who ruled completion. And then, of course, it went to replay. And when you saw the replays, there was no question. What a great play by Jared Cook to keep both feet in bounds um, and a great throw by Rodgers. But to me, live and it happened away from us, but it looked like that play was out of bounds. You know, speaking of Jared Cook, um, you, if, if you want to look at, again at the resurgence the Packers have had, and obviously you know it's driven by Aaron Rodgers, but Jared, Crook, Jared Cook is giving the Packers something they really haven't had since Jermichael Finley, which is a tight end that can get 20 yards down the field, catch the ball, and produce. Yeah, and you know we talked about this last week with people wondering, well, how are they going to compensate for the loss of Jordy Nelson? It didn't go so well last year. Uh, The Packers were better equipped to compensate for the loss of Jordy Nelson, and part of it was uh, the presence of uh, Jared Cook on that football field. He's just so important to what the Packers do, um, and that gives them another weapon. And when Jordy's back out there, it's going to be even better. Wayne, as you might expect, we have a lot of Packers fans wanting to talk to you, so let's uh, get started. 414-799-1620 is a number. Karen in Fond du Lac. Karen, good morning. Good morning, Wayne. Uh, you can, you and Larry can never retire ever. I love the way you call the game. Thank um, you. I I think really the play of the game is not the flash, all that great stuff that that Aaron does. It's that he held onto the ball when he got sacked. Otherwise, the Cowboys yeah. pick it up and it's a different game. Yeah, no, you're exactly right, and you know. Aaron Rodgers has big hands because that's what he needed to hold on to the football taking a shot like that. But uh, that was tremendous, and that was a big key. I mean, nothing. the rest of it doesn't happen without Aaron Rodgers securing that football on that loss of 10 yards. And it's still, even in that situation, I mean, it looked impossible. But it reminded me of the Chicago game. Um, and I believe the Packers were on their 26-yard line going nowhere in the final seconds, and it was third down and eleven. Well, this play was third down and uh, 20, 
and Rodgers hit the big play. He hit a big play in Chicago to Jordy Nelson to set up um, Mason Crosby's game winner, and he hits a big play to Jared Cook here. Wayne, let's take a very quick break. We'll be back with more calls in just a moment. 414-799-1620 is the number. You're listening to the Monday Morning Quarterbacks, News Radio 620 WTMJ. 845, Jeff Wagner, Wayne Larravee, the Monday Morning Quarterbacks. Wayne, let's talk to Chris in Milwaukee. Chris, good morning. Hey, uh, good morning. Um, I wanted to talk about something else. I only got the chance to watch the first half, but uh, there seemed to be an awful lot of defensive holding against the Packers that wasn't called, you know, disrobing of the players and everything else. And so my, I, I want to hear a comment on that, but also how do the referees advance? Do they advance as a team or do they advance individually in the playoffs? Uh, these, these are all-star teams. They're not the same crews that work during the regular season together, which I think uh, is uh, yeah, I, the, officiating a football game. Anybody who does it will tell you it's a team game. And so when you break up uh, teams and put all-stars together, it's not always the best thing. I, I mean, I understand what, what Chris is talking about. There's, of course, that in the first half, there was a couple plays um, – with uh, Devontae Adams, who's running routes, and his, his jersey ends up pulled down around his shoulder pads, and he's kind of yeah. like saying, how could this? But in fairness, at the second half, it looked like uh, the Packers kind of roughed up uh, Jason Witten a couple times, and there weren't calls. So maybe it all evens out. Yeah, I, it usually does in that situation. And also in the second half, there was a, a big hold on, on a Packers receiver. And, and um, you know, as Larry McCarron so aptly put, you know, they're not going to call that. They're not going to tried to decide the game with an officiating call. Packers did get a break on a yep. pass interference downfield that I've seen not called before, but uh, the officials called it in that situation against the home team. Well, I, quite frankly, it's from a fan's perspective, I'd rather they let them play a little bit, too. I mean, yeah. the, the ticky-tack stuff, I don't want to see that. Let's talk yeah, to... Well, oh. exactly. I mean, you know, sometimes it's going to go with you, sometimes it's going to go against you, but yeah, you're exactly right. In, in that ball game, there are only nine accepted penalties, three on the Packers for 22 yards, Six on the Cowboys for 50. It was amazing, though, as that game went along. It seemed like every time Dallas got a penalty, it was a crucial penalty. Wiped out a third down or, or some kind of big game, that type of thing. Well, you know, to that point, Wayne, I, I, in the beginning of the game, it did not seem like Dallas. I mean, Dallas really came out and they were sleepwalking. I mean, I, I've never seen this penalty called where a guy goes into the huddle and then goes back off 15 yards, unsportsmanlike conduct. I, maybe, yeah. and you see a lot more games than I do. I've never seen that play called, that penalty called. Yeah, it's not usually called. They usually, the officials usually tell the guy just to get out of there, that type of thing. But, you know, the Cowboys were having trouble uh, in what I call clerical errors. And that that's coaching. That's, the, you know, the coaches um, getting guys on and off the field, that type of thing. And sometimes, uh, you know, they make it rocket science. And certainly Rod Marinelli is a rocket scientist as the defensive coordinator. And he doesn't have rocket scientists playing for him. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> Let's talk to David in Appleton. David, good morning. You're on the Monday Morning Quarterbacks with Wayne Larrabee. Oh, good morning. My question is regarding Clay Matthews. Uh, I think Clay Matthews is an awesome player, but I just question the effectiveness with that separated shoulder. Um, they seem to be handling him pretty easily. Well, he made a couple of tips on the quarterback that weren't recorded in the stats, um, including the one that we talked about in the last segment when Nick Perry knocked the pass down. Um, I, you know, the thing about Clay is he's a big play waiting to happen. And, yeah, with the shoulder, maybe he's not quite as effective play to play down to down. But um, I, I will say this. When he's on the field, they have to account for him. So he's well worth having on the field. Well, and also, given their injury situation, who, who, who are you going to replace him with? I mean, even, yeah, exactly. you know, even, even a, a Clay Matthews at three-quarters ability is probably better than you know, anybody else they have. Jeff, uh, they don't even have J. Rowan Elliott, for God's sake. <laughs> I mean, come on. People say, keep play, hold Clay Matthews out. Are you kidding? He <laughs> breathe. He should play. Uh, let's talk to Sue in Three Lakes. Sue, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Hey, how you doing this morning? We are hey, great. Wayne, good, good job you? on the game. I think you probably could hear me and my girlfriends all the way from Three Lakes to <laughs> Dallas yesterday. <laughs> anyway, just wanted to call. Any insight or did you talk to with injuries with Burnett and Adams and Bakhtiari yesterday? Um, well, Adams I haven't read anything about back, him. And they, they finished the game. Burnett did not. So I can only imagine his uh, bruise is a little more severe. The others are going to be fine. They'll be on the injury report, but... They should be okay for the game coming up. They've all returned. But um, Morgan Burnett's the one I worry about. Kentrell Bryce, I thought, went in there for a rookie free agent. 
um, you know, acquitted himself pretty well. But, you know, hey, listen, you're going up against Des Bryant and Jason Witten and uh, Ezekiel Elliott with rookie free agents. I mean, th- this Packers team, there's something special happening here, folks, because on paper, uh, it doesn't add up. But boy, oh boy, this team, there's something special going. They've got great character. They never quit. And uh, that's why they're still alive. Wayne, any sense as to whether or not Jordy Nelson might be back next week? You know, I, I talked to Jordy last night uh, briefly. He's hopeful, you know, and a lot of it I think will depend on can they protect those cracked ribs? Um, can they? Uh, can he uh, perform at a certain level, uh, you know, through the pain? Because uh, it's hard to breathe. As anyone knows, if you have broken ribs, it's hard to breathe. And so how are you going to run out there and catch the ball and that type of thing? But I know Jordy is intent on trying to play this week. Uh, Wayne, let's talk to Steve in Sussex. Steve, good morning. You're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning, Wayne. Or Larry, excuse me. Um, I just wanted to say that McCarthy's take on ever, ever, <laughs> Go ever ahead, since uh, the Detroit game and then right with the Giants has been spectacular. And then throughout this game, I loved how he started with Rodgers, your best player on the team. Don't take the ball out of his hands and run too much. He did awesome. And then towards the end of the game, when they needed to ice it after it got tied up, he ran two plays, and, it, and I thought, man, you're going to lose this game because you're taking out of your best player. They can move the ball. If you give it to Rodgers, let them either roll out, throw it, or scramble. And you've got to end the game, kick the game-winning field goal. It should have ended 31-28, no time on the clock. But I, what do you think about McCarthy's play calling down the stretch? They have to keep it in Rodgers' hands because he's the MVP Nobody as good as him at quarterback. Wayne, Wayne before you say anything, Wayne, before you say anything, okay, yeah. the, the Packers are getting ready to play for the you know the NFC Championship, um, one game away from the Super Bowl, and we've got people complaining about the play calling. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it's never good enough, is it? Um, Jeff, I can't say it any better than you just did. Let's move on. <laughs> I, well, you know, it's it's actually. I mean, I think the other thing that people forget is, is how. I mean, th- this Dallas team is really, really good. I mean, I you know the, the and you know the Packers defense decimated with injuries. You, you roll up, you know, twenty eight points on, on this this team, and then kind of hold on. I I don't know that you could expect. You knew Dallas was going to make a run at some point in time, right? You know, Jeff, I, I said this earlier. Um, but I'll say it for our audience here. Okay, if you told me before the game that Ezekiel Elliott would have 125 yards rushing, Dak Prescott a passer rating of 103.2, and Des Bryant nine catches, 132 yards, and two touchdowns, um, I would have said, well, I guess the Packers lost and probably lost big. Uh, all that happened, and the Packers still won. Um, so I wouldn't put anything past this Packers team. They are a resilient bunch. They have great character in that locker room. Um, a lot of credit to the coaches for the way they've had to mix and match, especially on that defensive side, especially in that secondary. Um, you know, they're hanging in there really well, and here they are uh, 60 minutes away from a Super Bowl. This is remarkable. This is a remarkable season. I don't care what happens in Atlanta this week. Um, let's take a very quick break. When we come back, we will talk about uh, the Packers-Falcons rematch. Stick around. 8.53, Jeff Wagner, Wayne Larravee. It's the Monday Morning Quarterback. 8.56, Jeff Wagner, Wayne Larrabee, the Monday morning quarterbacks. Wayne, um, the Packers, early in the season, lose a shootout to Atlanta. Uh, as you've always said, it's not necessarily who you play, it's when you play them. What should we be looking for for this rematch next week? Well, Atlanta is still hitting on all cylinders offensively. They're, they're probably the best offense overall in the league. Um, but I think the reason why they're still in the playoffs and the reason why they're on the precipice of a Super Bowl is the improvement of their young players on defense, specifically on the second level of that defense. They have three linebackers, all of whom run about a 4-5-40, which for a linebacker is a great time. And then they've got a rookie first-round draft choice, Keanu Neal, whom I will call Keanu Reeves at <laughs> least three times on Sunday. But you all know who I'm talking about, okay? Let's not have any of this garbage on Twitter and all that. You know I'm talking about but. He is a heat-seeking missile, a box safety who just blows people up. Um, those three, those four players have really improved over the course of the season, and Atlanta's defense is why they're still playing. The offense has always been good. Can the Packers' defense match up with all the injuries? Well, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put anything past them, um, and Dom Capers has been masterful in the way he's uh, uh, concocted things. You know, 
the Packers had a lot of injuries when they played down in Atlanta week eight. And the Falcons were still trying to figure out how good they were. They didn't know they were coming off two straight losses. Uh, they had lost at Seattle in a tough loss um, where a penalty wasn't called on Richard Sherman. Is a penalty ever called on Richard <laughs> Sherman in Seattle? The answer is no. He took down Julio Jones at the end of the game. Atlanta could have won in Seattle. Then the next week, and I did the game on Westwood One Radio, they, they played the San Diego Chargers, and the Chargers beat them in Atlanta. So when the Packers got down there, you know, the Falcons are kind of wondering, who the heck are we, and are we any good at all? And um, the Packers came in with a boatload of injuries, and it was a whale of a ball game. And Atlanta won on that final drive by Matt Ryan. And, uh, you know, uh, hey, listen, uh, this is going to be a heck of a ball game, and I would not put anything past the Packers. Uh, I would not call them an underdog, a big underdog in this game at all. How It's going to be the final game in the Georgia Dome. How tough a place is that to play in for a visiting team? Typical Dome. I don't think it's that tough, to be honest with you. Uh, when we were down there in 2010, Atlanta had two weeks to get their home crowd revved up, and they were all revved up. And by the time halftime hit and the Packers were up 28-14, to 14, it, it's Atlanta, Jeff. Nobody since <laughs> Sherman went through Atlanta in the Civil War. Nobody is from Atlanta. So you don't have the passion uh, that you have in other cities for a football team. And so, you know, I find that it's very soft. They'll be loud. They'll be rocking and rolling. And as long as things are going well for Atlanta, for the Falcons, uh, they'll be front running. But once it turns, you know, they'll be out. That sounds like Wayne Larrabee throwing down the gauntlet. Way to go, my friend. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, and we will talk to you. All right, hopefully another upbeat version of Monday morning quarterbacks uh, next week. They're go- going to the Super Bowl, pal. I can feel it. I can feel it, too, Jeff. All right. Take care. <laughs> Have a good week. That's Wayne Larrabee. Monday morning quarterbacks, outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. <laughs> 909, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. I tell you, things are better today because of a Packers win. Everybody's mood is brighter. This is, of course, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I I do wonder how Dr. King would have felt about not, not necessarily having the, the holiday, which I think is completely and totally appropriate, but apparently the way we recognize the holiday is to schedule. We close the schools, but we schedule basketball games all day. And that, that's, you just kind of wonder how Dr. King would have necessarily felt about that. We're closing the schools, so they won't be open to educate kids, but we're going to play basketball all day. Just saying. We start off every program with what I call three big things, stories I think you need to know. Uh, Before that, we are going to continue to watch the weather. Obviously, this is one of these sort of dicey things. I'm watching a lot of the traffic cameras now, and the the temperature, for example, at our studios is 30 degrees. So you've got the precipitation that is falling right now as sleet slash freezing rain. And you got to be careful because it's icing up immediately. I mean, I know the roads are salted and all that, uh, but but be very careful outside because this is – It looks to me like it's kind of treacherous right now in certain areas. In addition, sidewalks, parking lots, quite candidly. I mean, our our parking lot here has been salted, I could tell. But quite candidly, you know, walking in at 7.15 this morning, right after it was starting to sleet, that that was perhaps the most dangerous part of the trek because, again, the ice is forming. So be careful. We will continue to keep you updated. Uh, The weather the temperature is supposed to be rising as the day goes on. So they anticipate, like uh, Brian Goddard was saying, that within an hour or two, noon at the latest, whatever's falling as sleet is going to change over to fall as rain. And so that will be a good sort of thing. And then actually, we're looking at a January thaw. You're looking at the week forecast. It's supposed to be pushing close to 50 by the end of the week. So after the system gets out of here sometime later tonight, early tomorrow morning, Looks like it's going to be a pretty darn good week. Okay, big story number one. Well, it's got to be the Green Bay Packers. Yesterday morning, I pick up the uh, New York Times, and there's a huge story in the sports section about Aaron Rodgers. But it's, again, this is, I'm not sure I understand why this is a story. But, you know, it's, well, the headline is, Aaron Rodgers connects with his hometown, but the family huddle is broken. And it talks about what a great guy Aaron Rodgers is and how he does all this community service stuff and how, you know, back in his California hometown, he he's a, continues to be a big player and he's associated with the high school football team and he does all these great things. And then it goes on to talk about the rift between his he and his family. Now, this came out when his brother was on the uh, the Bachelorette, I guess, and, you know, they were making references 
is that well you know we're going to we're going to go home and meet the family but Aaron's probably not going to be there and the implication of the story is that the rift started after he started dating the actress Olivia Munt but it's this long involved story about how you know there's apparently an estrangement from the family to which I'm reading this thing going well Okay, does anybody really care about this? Because Lord knows, you know, families are families, and everybody's got, you know, different reactions, and there's all sorts of different things that cause some some sort of rifts. But, you know, that's what the New York Times chose to write about. I think there is a bigger story involving the Green Bay Packers, and that is that this is a special team. I felt this way back in 2010 when they were on their Super Bowl run. It was just... You got this idea that every once in a while you, you see these teams that you think might be teams of destiny. Maybe they're not the best team if you just look at them on paper. Maybe the injuries have decimated them or whatever. But there's something that's happening that makes you think, you know what, this is this is their year. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. All right. I am and look I, I don't know what's going to happen in Atlanta, you know, next next Sunday afternoon. But I got to tell you, I would not be betting against the Green Bay Packers. I think this has been a heck of a ride. 8 straight wins. You know, back when they were 4 and 6, I think there's a lot of people that were just willing to say ready to say, "Okay, time to cash in your chips, you know, let let's play for next year." This is a team that has gotten hot at the right time, and I got to tell you, I think this is one heck of a ride. I think they're going to the Super Bowl. 414-799-1620-800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. Is this a special team? How do you feel about where they are now and where they're going? We discuss in two minutes. 914, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Nine sixteen, Jeff Wagner, six twenty, WTMJ. Obviously not in the spirit. CJ writes, "If I have to hear the statement, run the table one more time, I think I will be sick." Well, CJ, the pack might be in Atlanta for the NFC Championship game, but that doesn't mean your kitchen can't smell like Lambeau Field with our very own WTMJ Run the Table Tailgate. <clears throat> Listen to WTMJ all week for free food at your Packers tailgate and your chance to run the table at your party on us. Listen all week for WTMJ for your chance to win. Sometime between now and 12 noon, I will be, uh, we'll have one winner on this program, WTMJ's Run the Table Tailgate, courtesy of Bunzel's Old Fashioned Meat Market uh, and Catering. Uh, so check that out. I just think there's something, you know, really special that, that's going on here. Bruce writes, um, th- this has been a very special season, particularly in our household as for probably the last five to six games i think it started with the seahawks game my wife is actually sitting down next to me and watching the game almost from start to finish there's that's something i have not seen her do since the super bowl run in 2010 2011 it has been a set specially satisfying after 18 years of marriage having one thing that we can very temporarily enjoy doing together i will hate to see it end next sunday well that's because maybe you know maybe it's not going to end you know next sunday wouldn't that be cool. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. Ben in Wind Lake. Ben, good morning. Hey. Hi, Ben. How you doing? I'm great. Is this a special... Are, are we seeing something special this year? I think we are seeing something special. I think, uh, you know, the, it's been really a roller coaster ride this year. Uh, the highs have been very high. The lows have been very low. Um, we're putting it together at just the right time. And I think uh, these are the golden days of Packers football. And I think we're lucky to be... Uh, to be hearing this during our lifetime. Well, you know, it, it's one of the things that's been a little frustrating to me over the years is I, I don't think we've necessarily appreciated how special Aaron Rodgers is. And now he's 33 and he's got a few, obviously, hopefully he has several more good years left. But you, you wonder if, you know, some of these times when they lost in overtime or, you know, you, you have the things that break bad on the, you know, the, they can't cash in on the um, onside kick or whatever against Seattle a couple years ago, yep. and, and you, you lose all these chances, well, okay, maybe maybe this is the payback for some of that type of stuff. Yeah, maybe it is. Oftentimes it seems like, uh, you know, things don't necessarily go our way, and uh, right. this year it seems like things are going our way. Well, I, you know, thanks. I mean, I was thinking exactly that thing as I'm, 
is I'm watching that game yesterday, and I don't mean to be a defeatist, but like when I was talking about with Wayne, Packers are ahead by three points. Cowboys are driving less than a minute left. They've got third and three on the Packers' 33-yard line. And I'm thinking, okay, worst-case scenario, is if they get that first down, you know, maybe they go in, they score a touchdown. Oh, my goodness, the Packers lose. Worst-case scenario is they kick a field goal in the last play of the game. We go into overtime. Who knows what can happen? But then Nick Perry comes up, makes the play, knocks the ball down. Dallas kicks a field goal, and then that gives Aaron Rodgers 30 seconds to march the length of the field, and they kick that field goal. You know, teams, you need breaks. You And, of course, you make your own breaks, but you need to come up. You need to make those big plays. And I'm just telling you, I think there's something – I think there is something in the air. And, and again, maybe – Maybe it's all going to end in Atlanta next Sunday. Clearly, the Packers are going to be underdogs. You don't know what the injury situation is. But you know, when we were talking during the Monday morning quarterbacks and somebody calls up and wants to complain about the about the play calling. OK, here, here's the bottom line. There's 32 teams in the NFL. 28 are at home. 28 are sitting at home making arrangements. The players are making arrangements to go play golf somewhere. Packers are still playing football. How cool is that? Coming up in less than three minutes. Less than three minutes, Donald Trump, well, he's now being accused of going after a civil rights icon. Stick around. 920, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 922, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Before heading back onto the road, the Bucks play host to the 76ers in an MLK Day matinee. We'll have the broadcast with Ted Davis, Dennis Krause, and Justin Garcia beginning at 210 this afternoon here on 620 WTMJ. John Lewis is a congressman from Atlanta. Um, in some respects, his district sort of like Gwen Moore in that he represents some incredibly impoverished areas with all the the problems that you you have in, in urban America, but he also represents some some very wealthy areas as well, like the Buckhead area of Atlanta. Kind of like Gwen Moore. I mean, she represents the city of Milwaukee, but she also represents you know Milwaukee suburbs, for example, that that you know tend to be a little bit more well off. So it, it's a diverse, in that sense, sort of area. John Lewis is a he's been a congressman forever. He's um. He is, I think it would be fair to say, a, a civil rights icon. He was he was one of the original Freedom Riders. He um, was beaten by police in Selma, Alabama in 1965 while marching for civil rights with Dr. Martin Luther King. So, I mean, he's he's been somebody who has been a leader in the civil rights movement going back to the inception of the civil rights movement, and he deserves all the credit in the world for that. On Friday... He does an interview where he says that he's not going to be attending the inauguration. He's going to be one of you know, several Democratic members of Congress who've decided that they're not going to attend the inauguration. Fine. But he goes on to say that he's not doing it because he considers that Donald Trump not to be a legitimate president. So he decides to, to take on Trump, saying he's not a legitimate president. Okay, Trump responds to that. Um, He goes to on Twitter and he says, Congressman John Lewis should spend more time on fixing and helping his district, which is in horrible shape and falling apart, not to mention crime infested, rather than falsely complaining about the election results. All talk, 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 no action or results. Sad. So that's President-elect Trump reacting to John Lewis saying that that he's not attending the inauguration and that Trump is not a legitimate president. Um, Trump doubles down on that, later saying Congressman John Lewis should finally focus on the burning and crime-infested inner city areas of the U.S. I can use all the help I can get. Now, in response to the the Trump tweets, what happens is you've got the left that just mobilizes and and goes after goes after Trump, essentially saying, how dare you? This is, you know, in the a couple days before the Martin Luther King holiday. How dare you, Donald Trump, criticize, criticize John Lewis? Don't you realize he's an icon of the civil rights movement? He's been fearless in his pursuit of justice and equality. He deserves better than this from you. He knows true sacrifice, etc., etc., etc. And all these charges that, that Donald Trump should not have responded. Donald Trump had no business in criticizing John Lewis, particularly um, 
on the literal eve of the Martin Luther King Day holiday. All right, 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. Did Trump go too far in in responding to criticism from Congressman John Lewis by saying, hey, instead of complaining about the election, you should be focusing on your district instead of you know, all, all you are is talk, talk, talk. Was that irresponsible? Was it racist? Was it completely out of bounds to criticize a civil rights icon three or four days before the Martin Luther King holiday? 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. Now, maybe you will disagree with me on this, but, y- you know, I mean, th- this is this is the new era here, and as much as it pains me occasionally to you know defend Donald Trump, you know if if people are going to attack Trump, one of the things that you need to learn is that he he is going to respond, and the fact that you may be a civil rights icon and you might deserve all the credit you get, that's not going to necessarily give you a free pass. Now again, pe- some people are arguing, well, you know, Trump just doesn't understand because um, John Lewis represents some really some really tony areas as well, but he also represents some very very you know, economically challenged areas. But, okay, was Trump out of line? 414-799-1620. John in Oakfield. John, you're first. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. What do you think? Was Trump no, out of line? He, he, he was not out of line at all because he he is doing exactly what he needs to do. Now, I understand, and I've agreed with some of your criticisms of Trump, and I was a cruise guy, so I don't want anybody to get the idea that I'm, you know, I will wholesale buy into everything that Trump says. But... In this case, these guys like Lewis, okay, he's been in Congress for how many years? What has he done to help change the standard of living in the inner cities, as guys like Sheriff Clark talks about, where these guys are all talk, they're no action. In fact, these people have went further backwards. He hasn't made their schools better. He hasn't. You know what I'm saying? No, I, well, th- thanks, I, no I, John, and I appreciate. I mean, look, I, I that I mean, I guess th- that's the thing that Trump is alluding to. Now, again, it's you know, Lewis represents like when Moore represents a, a relatively diverse district where you have like some really nice areas. But but I guess the question becomes: if you are in fact a legitimate civil rights icon, and let us accept that for the sake of argument, does that mean? that you are essentially exempt from being called out when you decide that you're going to pick a fight with the president-elect of the United States. John in Beloit. John, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Yeah, you're not exempt uh, from any kind of criticism just because you're, uh, you're an icon uh, civil, you know, civil liberties. I think that's the most ridiculous argument you could ever make. And that guy continues to spout off at the mouth but never does anything to better the situation. Mm-hmm. I have one other last comment is all the talk about Russia's influence. What did Russia say or what was presented that was inaccurate? Yeah. Well, that, right. I mean, well, I mean, again, see it, and you can, you know, at, at some point in time, we can debate the impact of Russian hacking and all that type of stuff. But, but I, I will, I will say this for the anti Trump folks, and as our first caller, John, was acknowledging, I was sort of agnostic on Trump. But th- this idea that he's not a legitimate president, all right, I'm, I'm sorry. He won the election. He is a legitimate president. And for people like John Lewis and everybody else who's out there trying to sell this, this is not a legitimate president. You are, in fact, not being constructive. And I understand why Donald Trump, who has a notable thin skin, I understand why he is pushing back on this type of stuff. 934, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, coming up in 25 minutes. I call it Dealer's Choice, my most talkable topic of the day. The circus is leaving town, we discuss. Right now, a big a big brouhaha has, has developed. Last Friday, John Lewis, long-serving congressman who represents the Atlanta area, he was one of the original Freedom Riders. He marched with Dr. King, was beaten by police in Selma in 1965, been a congressman from the Atlanta area forever. He goes on TV and denounces Donald Trump as being not, he says the Trump presidency is not legitimate. 
Trump, who is notoriously thin-skinned, responds. Saturday sends out tweets saying, you know, you know, this guy, all he does is talk, talk, talk. He should be concentrating on the problems of his district instead of peddling false claims about the election. It's sad. And now Trump is getting all sorts of criticism from folks who say, hey, John Lewis is a civil rights icon. You know, how, how dare you criticize him? 414-799-1620-800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. I mean, does being a civil rights icon mean that you are exempt from criticism when you decide that, you know, you want to pick a fight with the incoming president-elect? Let's talk to Jim in Milwaukee. Jim, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Thanks Thank for you. taking my call. Um, I think that's refreshing uh, that Trump would challenge political correctness and the media with these comments. A lot of people are saying that's not presidential and all that other buoy. Um, I think it's refreshing. I think it's one of the reasons why he got elected, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's good to challenge people. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's get the arguments out in the open. Well, I guess the argument would be, okay, you, you, you've got a congressman who is claiming your presidency is not legitimate. Some people would say, who, who cares? I mean, you know, is, is it beneath the office of the president to respond to, you know, everybody that decides that they're going to, like, take a shot at you? Like I said, I think it's refreshing. I love to see this uh, banter back and forth. And I think this is going to be a thing of uh, the next four years, at least. Everybody uh, in the media and on the left is going to scrutinize everything Trump says. He might not even tweet it, and they treat the fact that he didn't say a word. Right. Uh, and and so, I, I, well, you know, know I, I, I got to tell I, you this, I, you know, Jim. Yes, yeah, no giving him a chance. Well, see, I, I, I'm kind of with you to an extent. I mean, look, I, I I respect what Congressman Lewis has done, and and you you know you you look at you know what what he did back in the '60s and all that, and he deserves all the credit in the world. But at the same time, if you decide that you're going to pick a fight with someone, and that's what what he did. And obviously, Donald Trump, you can argue about whether he's being thin-skinned about the not being a legitimate president. But if you decide that you want to take on take on anyone, I don't think just because you are a civil rights icon means that you are exempt from getting some pushback. I, I just, I, I, I don't. I mean, where where did we say that all of a sudden, just because you did some great things in the civil rights movement means that you can't be criticized as well? I, where is that written? Jeff, I agree with you totally. And, and by the way, I love your show. I love the three big things. That's a, <laughs> well, a terrific idea. Thanks. I appreciate it very much. And uh, we do that every day, you know, right out of the box. But look, and here's, again, I, I'm not detract, I'm not taken away from, I'm not taken away. John Lewis has a right to, to an opinion and he deserves to be revered for the stuff that he has done since the 1960s. But at the same time, if you decide that, you know, you want to call Donald Trump's presidency, uh, rec- refuse to recognize as being non-legitimate i don't think that you i don't think that you don't i don't think that that means oh my gosh nobody can criticize john lewis and the fact that he chose to do this on friday and the next monday is martin luther king day well all right i again show me the sign where it says if you decide you want to pick a political fight you you can't get responded to steve in west bend steve you're on 620 wtmj uh good morning hi good morning Um, Hi. Uh, listen, I put uh, a Lewis in the same basket as uh, John McCain, living off of his hero status. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you done in the last 10, 15 years? Mm-hmm. A lot of nothing, a lot of committee hearings, uh, you know, uh, a lot of imagery. But what have you really done? Well, let me, so let me I, just go. Let's take it another step, Steve. I mean, let's take your John McCain reference. Uh, John McCain gets criticized all the time. I don't hear people saying, gee, John McCain was a war hero, and John McCain was a legitimate war hero. That means that you can't criticize, if he takes a policy position, that means because he was a prisoner of war for five or six years in Vietnam, we, we can't criticize him. I haven't heard anybody say that. I mean, I, yeah, he, he, I consider John McCain to be an American hero, but people criticize his policies all the time, don't they? <laughs> Uh, yes, they do, but they criticized Trump when he brought up the right. fact that he didn't do much for the vets in Arizona, right. and uh, you know right. that uh, you know his voice was uh, so yeah. anti-Trump. 
Yeah. Well, uh, with regards to Trump's policies yeah, that and, he was, you know, uh, see, and, advocating. Right now, see, I, I'll be thanks for. I'll be honest with you. I, I found it cringeworthy when, when Donald Trump decided to say, "Okay, well, John John McCain's not a hero to me. The heroes are the ones that don't get shot down." I, I thought that was. That was that was flippant. I thought it was stupid. I thought it was rude. But but that's not. But but John McCain, who in my opinion is a genuine war hero. I mean, I don't think I don't think that that gives him a shield against policies. If he's got a policy that you think is wrong or whatever, I think you get to criticize him for that. And if again, if John Lewis decides he wants to go after Donald Trump and say Trump's not a legitimate president, whatever that might mean, all right, he he gets to say it. But then this idea that, oh, my gosh, Trump fired back. Oh, heaven forbid. Well, what do you what what do you think? Um, Let's talk with uh, Dan in Brookfield. Dan, you're on 620 WTMJ. No, the stance that John Lewis is taking really defies logic. If he wants to promote the issues that he feels are very important, he should be wanting to reach out a hand to Donald Trump to work on them rather than put up walls and barriers. It makes no sense. I, it, it just goes to show you the hypocrisy of this guy. It's all about him and his issues to promote himself. It's not about making the other lives better. Because Donald Trump is going to be needed to do the things he wants to do. Yeah, I, you raise an interesting point. If if you're serious about trying to get stuff done, especially with when the Republicans have working majorities in both houses of Congress, if you're a Democrat that wants to be relevant, what you should start trying to do is figure out ways that maybe you can reach agreements on some issues where there is the possibility of agreement. Right? What do you gain other than pandering to you know your particular constituency? What do you really gain by coming out and saying, "Oh, Donald Trump is not a legitimate president"? Hey, he's going to be sworn in you know next friday that's just the reality it's going to happen no it's no one that no one's ever talking about right now is martin luther king's niece voted for donald trump yeah she, on record. yeah she right she did i mean i absolutely and look and i i i understand that there's a lot of people who are still very angry that donald trump won i i get that but the truth is he won I don't know what people mean when they say he's not a legitimate president. I mean, is it, well, he, he lost the popular vote. Well, that's, that, who cares? That's not how we select the president. He, he won. Now, should you argue, can you claim that he's thin-skinned and that he should maybe stay off Twitter? And who cares what somebody like John Lewis says? I think that's perhaps a fair, fair comment. And candidly, it, it's like, who, who cares? You know, who, who is John Lewis when he criticizes you? You're going to, you won, you know, maybe you can be gracious. But at the same time, this idea that somehow because you're a civil rights icon, you are exempt from criticism. That's what gets me. All right. In less than three minutes, can you hear me now? Stick around. 942, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 946, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, following yesterday's playoff battle. Here straight from the head coach, Mike McCarthy, as he sits down with radio analyst Larry McCarron. Their conversation, 5.50 today during Wisconsin's afternoon news. Yeah, if you haven't heard, a big, big storm blowing through Dallas. So, like, the flight was delayed. They got stuck at the stadium, as I was talking to Wayne earlier this morning. Can you imagine if they lost the game? I mean, I, that's one of those things where, okay, you're stuck in the stadium. you got to wait. Your plane's delayed. All right, all those things. Who cares? You won. <laughs> you know, on the other hand, if, if if it had been a different outcome, it would kind of been, oh, my gosh, you know, this is just the trip from you know where. But, but they won. All is good. Okay. One of the big changes over the last decade or two, and we've talked about this on multiple occasions on the programs, is landlines. You know, the old-fashioned phone. You got the pole out in the backyard. The wires run into your house. You've got the what we would call the landline. Those are going away. More and more people are dropping their landlines on a daily basis. Why? Is it because they want to get rid of phones? Heck no. It's because everybody and their brother have cell phones. And cell phone technology, I mean, now it's not just a phone. You know, you've got a smartphone. It's You've got a computer in, in your hand. And it's just convenient. You can take your phone anywhere. You don't miss calls if you don't want to. You know, you got your phone with you. Somebody calls you. Boom, you're set. Now, there is a problem with cell phones, and that is that as more and more people have cell phones, there's more and more demand on the infrastructure. And more and more people want to, hey, you, you don't want to have dropped calls. You want to have coverage. That is the big thing. And the way you get coverage 
Well, it's not a magic type of thing. I think sometimes sometimes people think, oh, there, there's this magic type of stuff. It's like I, I turn on this switch on the wall and all the lights come on. Well, okay, that, that's cool, but it's not magic. It is, it is the utility company who is producing electricity and getting it into your home. The reason your cell phones work is you have a cell phone company, whether it's Sprint or whether it's Verizon or whether it's you know um, U.S. Cellular, whatever. They have a network that is out there that provides those services. And in order to make the services work, you need to have cell phone towers. You, you, that, that's just it. It's, if you want coverage, they have to put towers that are up. Just like if you want to hear us on the radio, thank you very much. You know, we, we have radio towers. You know, we have we have transmitters all over. We've got towers that are here. Whenever you get ice, it's always an issue because we got these towers in our back in the back parking lot and ice starts falling off them. So you, you've got these issues, but you need towers. Well, U.S. Cellular is in a brouhaha, I love that word, a brouhaha with folks out in Waukesha. U.S. Cellular has a phone tower right now that's kind of by the Expo Center. It's where the, the Huber Law Facility is. Huber is like the day prisoners, you know, the folks who get to, they're, they're in jail, but they get to go out for work or whatever, and then they have to come back at night. They have a cell phone tower that is right now on county grounds. They lease the space. Uh, the lease is getting ready to expire at the end of October. From what I understand, the negotiations have sort of stalled. There's issues, and it's questionable about whether or not they're going to continue to have the cell phone tower on, on the county grounds. So what they've done is U.S. Cellular, anticipating that they might need another location, they've gone out and they, they've got a lease that allows them to construct a cell phone tower on the grounds of a Methodist church in in Waukesha. And they've signed the contract. They've got the deal. They haven't necessarily committed to doing it, but this is their alternative. It's plan B if they can't cut a deal, finalize a deal with, with Waukesha. Plan B is they're going to put this on this church. Well, you have all these neighbors who are now scheduling these protests. And this isn't unusual. It's going on in Waukesha, but there's also another one going on in Greenfield. All these neighbors who are out there protesting saying, no, no, we we don't want this in our neighborhood because we're afraid the cell phone tower is going to affect property values. And we're afraid that the radiation from the cell phone tower is essentially going to you know kill us all. I want to open up the phone lines, 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. If we want to have cell phones and cell phone service, you have to have cell phones, and you have to have towers. Now, I appreciate that there's this not-in-my-backyard attitude, but at the same time, All right, should communities be saying no to cell phone towers when we want and we need the coverage? 414-799-1620, That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. Our third big story of the day, residents in Waukesha, and by the way, in other areas of our community, have now taken to protesting the building of cell phone towers in their neighborhood Are these folks nothing but not-in-my-backyard types, or do they have a point? We discuss. It's 952, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line, 952, Jeff Wagner. 954, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, coming up in less than 15 minutes. The circus is leaving town. Right now, we're in the middle of our three big things for the day. If you want a cell phone, cell phones need towers to work. And a lot of controversy, most recently out in Waukesha, neighbors don't want a cell phone tower going up in their backyard. Well, I understand that, but you you need to have the tower somewhere. Nancy in Hartford. Nancy, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning, Jeff. What do you think? Um, I was surprised by what you said, that there was a cell phone tower on county grounds. I simply kind of assumed that the county wouldn't go along with doing that. But that said, if they agreed to it there, wouldn't that be an answer to it not being in your backyard that other county grounds could have the uh, cell phone towers, whether it be county parks or whatnot? That way it's not literally 
in somebody's backyard and as much as I love my cell phone and I don't even have cell phone service at home, mm-hmm. um, my company, my neighborhood is dark. It doesn't, it doesn't work there, but I still wouldn't want one literally in my backyard or, you know, within. Well, but the thing is, I mean, even if it's on county, even if it's on county grounds, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not in your neighborhood because lots of county grounds are, you know, are, are, are surrounded by, by neighborhoods. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think I, I live sort of by a park and so I don't know if, yeah, and matter of fact, there are towers in that park. So it's still, it, it's going to be within a couple blocks, probably almost anywhere, unless you put them out in extremely remote areas, and then that doesn't work because you need them close no. in for some of the service. Yeah, I get. But if I, it's more than a, if it's more than a couple blocks away from me, I wouldn't have an objection. Right. If it was literally in my neighborhood, I would. If it was closer than that, do you and, think your neighbor? Let's let's say just for the sake of argument, Nancy, that you um you live in a neighborhood, and this is what happened out in Waukesha. You live in an area. There, there's a church. You know, it's it's a neighborhood, but there's a church. Church has a relatively big backyard. Church signs a lease. The church says we're going to give you U.S. Cellular the the right to build a tower in our backyard. Should the church have the right to do that? It has the right, but the neighbors have the right to protest. Okay. There's a church in my neighborhood, and if they did it, I would not necessarily be too thrilled because right. it would be a block away from my house. Right. Yeah, see, and I guess you have the right to protest. The reality is there's very little the neighbors could do in this situation because my understanding is the church, which is now, they say it's changed its mind, but they've already signed a lease. So you've got the lease, and while towers have to be approved by the city, there's a state law that says that you you can't say no because of aesthetics. Um, And essentially, the the state law preempts a lot of the local ordinances on this. And and by the way, my understanding is also that by moving this tower, they're going to save a bunch of money. Now, maybe people don't care about U.S. Cellular saving money, but... At the same time, you know, we got to have these towers. Tom in Sheboygan. Tom, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hey, yeah, I was just, I was just thinking about it. Is if there's no scientific proof, or there's nobody that can stand up and say, "Hey, I've been, I've been physically or mentally affected by these towers," and I don't know that we have a lake to stand on where they put the towers, as long as they have proper permitting. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said before, aesthetics. Or just because somebody doesn't like the way it looks, and I saw that's not good enough. Well, right. Thank. I mean, you know, thanks. I mean, this is we kind of get this into this argument with the wind turbines. You know, where you always have the argument about the the folks who. I don't know. Like, it's like some of the farms out there that decide that they want to they want to lease part of their land to the companies and have them put up the wind turbines, and then you have everybody screaming about that. Well, again, if we want to figure out ways to generate power. Uh, out of some of the non-traditional ways, well, you, you have to have these. You have to have these turbines, and if people are going to complain about them because well, birds get caught in them or they make noise, well, uh, okay, you have to have that balancing. In this particular case, I understand the neighbors are protesting. I don't think that there's very much at the end of the day they're going to be able to do if U.S. Cellular decides that they're going to go ahead and they're going to build. U.S. Cellular says they're still trying to work out a deal with the county. They might, they might not. But if we want to use our cell phones, you need to have cell phone towers. So keep that in mind when you say, not in my backyard. 959 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ.